Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, The Mina Cobb Show featuring Lenny. Every Tuesday, Mina highlights the winners and losers from the weekend with Dominique Foxworth. Then later in the week, she's joined by different expert guests to look ahead to the next round. That's the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are haters. That time of week, we have a guest join us coming to us from Slate.com. Joel Anderson, what's going on? Man, I'm good, bro. How you doing, man? You know, hold on, hold on, hold on, man. hold on, hold on, hold on. Kanye is a Nazi? That's what y'all let on the show now, man? That's what y'all, <laughs> that's what y'all let? I mean... I mean, that was that gentleman's opinion. He said he hates Nazis. And <laughs> somehow related to that, he would like to hit Buck Kanye West. That was what Jordan Carlos decided to say. That was his uh, interpretation of the situation. That was on Game Theory. Check that out if y'all get a chance. Fridays, 11 Eastern um, on HBO and HBO Max. I did a interview with Jake Paul that some people seem to find riveting. And I wore a very colorful suit. Yeah, man. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know that you had pledged. When did you go over? You, have you been sh- <laughs> you shimmy? You know what I'm saying? You, you, man, you look, look I didn't even go. It, it, first of all, it wasn't that color red. You need to fix your television. But I like one thing that was interesting. So we go through and I don't really be picking out my clothes for TV. Like, unless you're going to have me out here looking ridiculous, that's just one less thing for me to worry about. Okay, cool. Like, those people, like, I, it would be relieving to be in the Nation of Islam. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, no, you got I your, know your exactly one, what I'm A couple black wear. suits, you know what I'm saying? A couple black ties. Yeah, right. yeah. One less thing I got to think about, right? So, we were going through the suits for the season because it's not one of those things where you just kind of go in and pull something off the shelf or whatever and go, right? People present storyboards, right? Pictures are taken and sent and run by all kinds of people, all of this stuff. Like, it's a real process in figuring out what you're going to wear on television. You know, they call in, no matter what it is, like, if I'm going to be on anybody's camera, they call it hair and makeup, unless I'm doing it from the house, and then I get to be myself. Mm. But otherwise, like, you got to look like, you you know, you on television every single time. Okay, cool. So we going through the suits. We started with one that, you know, been in line with my sensibilities mm-hmm. a little bit more. Like, I think it was a, I think it was a black turtleneck. I think it was like a black and gray, like check joint, but nothing particularly adventurous. Um, it was some of them uh, bourgeois African-American boots that I would never wear of my oh, own volition. Brunch but boots. Whatever, okay. Right? They gave you some brunch boots. Yeah, I got, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't care. Um, second episode, you know, I think we wore a suit with a tie. Okay. But I always knew what was coming because the stylist had hit and was like, which episode are you on with Stephen A? Because like, this is what she does, right? Hmm. And she's like, I know what kind of suit he's going to be wearing. So her thing was, you're going to be not dressed like Stephen A, right? Like she's imagining that Stephen A is going to be wearing what she termed like a very ESPN suit. But let's be real. If you be looking at Stephen A, um, he got jokes for Michael Irvin, but they are not terribly different not di- sartorial beings. Not that dissimilar. I mean, not that dissimilar. Yeah. They come from the same, nah, nah. you know, <laughs> branch of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the thing about Michael Irvin is there are places Michael Irvin is willing to go that Stephen A. Smith <laughs> will never get to. However, there are lots of places where they 
I said, nice looking suit, brother. Where they saying that to each other. <laughs> but anyway, that was that was like her mentality on it. And so she came out there with that red suit. And I was glad y'all liked it because I have to admit, I was like, I'm kind of letting y'all do this this time. <laughs> like, you, like I, I had a I had a I had a, a heavy are you sure feeling. Like and it had a vest. And I was like, yeah, it was very are you sure about this? It was very, I'm a late night talk show who makes a lot of money. Uh, look, you know what I'm saying? Very, you know, not not uh, sort of an iteration of Eddie Murphy Rob. Not not that far, you know what I'm saying? But like, you know, the behind yeah. the desk version of it. Uh, very tasteful. Yeah, but see, the, but, the, but see, the thing about it is, though, when you think about it, I guess behind the desk version of that would probably be the most appropriate way to put it. Because the late night cats all like the, the, the approach, and we talked about this in the first season, just teach you all a little bit of how, You'd be amazed how thought out every single bit of this stuff is on these shows. Like the gamesmanship so, about the suits, like I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just that. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that was just her getting competitive. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, but on the um, on the look, part of the reason why those late night hosts are all dressed so conservatively, honestly, like outside Arsenio Hall, like when you think about the suits that any given late night host is wearing, it's pretty standard fare. And the idea is to use the suit to confer a level of authority, hmm. right? Seems- and then by conferring that level of authority, it becomes easier to be funny because the bar isn't nearly as high. Like, if you show up dressed like a clown, like literally like a clown, right, right. you got to do extra crazy <laughs> clown stuff in order to get a laugh. You know what I mean? So if you set it up going the other way, hmm. it then makes it easier for you to be like subtle with things and stuff like that. That's what the approach is. But we were looking at it this time. It's like, no, nah, we want to make the show look and feel a little bit bigger. And so we don't want to deviate too far from that. Because I'm like, I appreciate you making it easier for me to be funny. Thank you. <laughs> like a lot of things are set up to make it easier for people to be funny when the moment comes to be funny. Right. Yeah. Like that's part of the purpose of a studio audience is that like people are like, I don't need nobody to tell you to laugh. You'd be surprised. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Um, like it's helpful. But we're not telling them to laugh. Right. Like, because trust me, when they don't want to laugh. They don't laugh, and it feels just like you would imagine it would feel. Well, you know, I, I always think that's always kind of funny because I'm like, oh, that's how you know that the joke is like on the edge. You know what I mean? Like, it's not mm-hmm. it's, it's not that mm-hmm. it's so funny. It's like, hey, man, I don't know if you should have been joking about that. Which, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know of a moment in your show's history. We don't have to talk about it on camera, but I know one of the jokes on history that that happened. We ain't going to talk about it, but I want you to get in Hold trouble. Hold on. The thing I would say is like, what you want in that moment is to hear at least one gas. Yes. And then you're like, oh, okay, that's what happened. As opposed to... <laughs> <laughs> that one right there? Was like, that one, you just, you, you just want to hurry up and start talking about something else. Like, I don't know about you, but if I give a talk in public and I say something I think is going to be funny and don't oh. nobody laugh, man, I am... On to Cincinnati. Move it on. I learned that from my daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep it moving. On to Cincinnati. Like, we don't have to, yeah, we don't yes. have to linger on it, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, hold on. Play the music. Thank you for your patience. A representative from the right time will be with you shortly. Your current hold time is 15 seconds.
Oh no, people laughed at that. Okay, I thought I thought it was kind of like that. A, that, ha, was, that you know, yeah, that that was funny. It was fun. It was early. It was early in the story. Y'all took a y'all took a risk. <laughs> like, you took a risk. That was a much better yeah, yes, risk. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> we we were betting against the future, and we crapped. You got so lucky. In fact, <laughs> in the office, we were trying to talk about the fact that we had kind of crapped out on it, but with the acknowledgement that it's funny. Like, appropriate and funny are not like, they don't come together all the time, mm -mm. right? Sometimes it's inappropriate, but it still happened to be funny. And when you work around people in the funny business, inappropriate is going to come up from time to time. The key is you just got to acknowledge that it's inappropriate. But all we were talking about was how, yeah, we got that one wrong <laughs> and... We had somebody new on staff who didn't even want to hear that. I could, I, you look, man. This, I mean, it was very, I mean, it was very on the edge, man. It could, a lot of people took that very, you know, very soberly and seriously. Yeah, you know, you took it. To, yeah, it was, yeah. You know what? Joke, they, had, they had, they had foresight <laughs> that, that I simply didn't possess at the time. I mean, could I have seen it coming? Certainly. Did I take a calculated risk? Very much yes. so. Yes. Um, I let my American sensibilities interfere with my interpretation of international criminal justice. Well, we had already been laughing at people who had been locked up in foreign. Yes, we had. Uh, yes, we prisons, had. Yes, we had. Know, as we talked yes, about we off had. air, but yeah. and <laughs> we we had, but and that didn't take that long. You know, much like, shorter, like it was, much shorter it was, amount of time. It was, it, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like it, it's like it never happened, yeah. right? Yeah, we, <laughs> uh, but uh, I want to. Like, this is tricky because we got the Super Bowl this week, but I got to say. The NBA showed up during Super Bowl week and is getting love and getting attention in a way that I didn't think was possible. And I want to send a shout out to Mr. Le LeBron, Raymond James. <laughs> and by the way, shout out to whoever talked Gloria out of going with LeBaron and said no. LeBron. <laughs> whoever that person was, right, who was like, hey, hey, hey. No, nah, just take the A out. Right, right. Okay. Cool. Le wait, LeBaron. You know what? There is somebody named LeBaron that follows me on Twitter. Is yeah, because you know That's it was a car. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw the LeBaron the other day because you know they don't make the LeBaron no more. Oh, okay. But they used to you know the uh, Chrysler LeBaron, right? Oh, man. And I'm like, Ooh. yeah. I mean, man, we are yeah. to take it back, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they still make Chrysler's, don't they? Still make the three hundred. You know what I'm thinking about? Oldsmobile. People don't know about the Oldsmobile. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they have to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chrysler's still in the league. <laughs> Oldsmobile, uh, Oldsmobile is out of the league. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. 
How have I already forgotten what we what, what I was about, we were about to, to say up. about the NBA oh LeBron James yeah, yeah right uh huh yeah the NBA showed up right and now he's in Dallas which is good place for him I have been talking but I've been talking to people for a while that Dallas well at the height of um Hebrews the Negroes gate <laughs> um I was like so the thing is. If he were to get traded right then, which obviously seemed highly illogical because he was just so toxic at the time, but I was just trying to think of places where you had an owner who might like be so bottom line oriented that they're like, "Can we gonna do this?" Mm-hmm. Even if even if they were or were not Jewish, like there was somebody sure. that was just gonna be like, "Hey, okay, we need this. I ain't got time to worry about that stuff. We can figure it out." Like I was just looking around the league and thinking of teams that might be there. And I was like, oh, the Mavericks, it could work. And a place where they wasn't going to be picketing in front of the arena when Kyrie showed up. Right. Right. And I ain't feel like Dallas was the kind of place where he would have to worry about that. L.A. would have got tricky. Right. But I didn't. So Dallas and Dallas was desperate. Dallas needed another player. Dallas got Nico Harrison, the dude who used to work at Nike, running the operation. And so I saw Dallas as a place that uh, that he could wind up. I don't know how good it's going to be for basketball. I don't know if he's going to wind up playing all the games. I mean, I know he ain't going to play of all of them. But I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's going to come to, but I would be nervous if I was the Mavericks because he deleted that tweet about the apology. Right. And he says he deletes tweets all the time. And it was a fair question to ask why he deleted it. And apparently it wasn't the day it was noticed was not the day it was done. Right. Right. Like apparently he, he had done that before. Now, who was looking for that tweet and why? That's its own interesting question. But anyway, it was IG post, wherever he did it. I'm sorry, I'm not, I can't remember what platform. And if it was IG, it would be easier to notice. So I, would, I think it was IG. I want to say it was IG. Okay, got you. So anyway, um, he does this presser. And when I first listened to it, mm-hmm. and I heard him saying that, you know, he respond, he reacted instead of responding, it sounded like he was trying to take some measure of, like, accountability for the fact that he handled it poorly. Mm-hmm. But he was doing that while handling that current situation poorly. In fact, in handling it very similarly to the way that he had handled the situations before. Like, it was actually interesting because my first watch, I latched on to, hey, okay, he seems to be saying that he didn't do it right before and that there's a measure of standing by the apology that he was willing to do. Right. Right. Like, the argument that I don't have to leave this thing up on Instagram for it to matter is a compelling one to me. Like, I don't like you did it. You go from there. Like, I don't know why it needs to be up here forever. If you want to make that point. But then he started rambling and started talking about how uh, he got Jewish people in his family. And y'all don't even know that. I don't know who nobody got in a family dog. And if I tried to find out, you'd be mad. But he was, he was so defensive about that to where I'd be very nervous about how this is going to go. If I was Dallas, because what I wonder is, does he realize this max contract ain't coming? And that if this max contract ain't coming, what's the point in acting right? Because he was acting right because he wants the max contract. Right. Well, I mean, he said the other day, was I think it was yesterday during the same press conference, that he felt disrespected by the Nets. Well, how were the Nets supposed to feel about you? You, pay, you played 74 total games with Kevin Durant over four years. Like, just think about everything that has happened since he had signed with Brooklyn. Now, he had played well when he was on the court, obviously. Like, there was no quibble with the fact that when he was on the court, 
He was a very good, very efficient, borderline all-star. But when he's, I mean, think about all the times he had not been on the floor and all the stuff he had dragged them through. And you you talked about this the other week. Like, they have destroyed that franchise. Like, that that cha- there, there was supposed to be a championship window of, like, what, four or five years? Mm-hmm. It's over. Like, they're going to have to get rid mm-hmm. of Kevin Durant. Like, I don't know how they're going to start over. They'll, get, they'll use these draft picks they've got or whatever. But, I mean, the Nets... You can feel disrespected by them, Kyrie, because they didn't want to give you your long-term money. But what had you shown them that would make it think it was a good investment? I don't like see this. That is what would worry me about Dallas is that he's still sort of delusional about the reasons why the Nets didn't want to give him his money and were willing to get rid of him. Because I mean, he, if he if he can't he, recognize that he was the problem here, that he's the issue, that I don't then how will he be able to correct it when he's in Dallas? Because he thought he could play his way into credibility. <laughs> like, I think he almost did. worth considering. He almost did. But. Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody was ever going to give him this max, right? Like, nobody's, nobody's going to do that. Where he felt disrespected, and the Nets tried to put a clause in the contract that said that the third year of his deal would be guaranteed if the Nets won a championship. And that's the part that he found to be disrespectful. And I think that, the, I mean, a part, at least. And I think the Nets are looking at it like, be glad we'd be even willing to try to go for a third under any circumstance whatsoever. I don't understand why they'd be willing to give him a second at this point. I just don't see it. And the only time we've really seen him be on his get right, really, has been at the end of a contract. Though it wasn't the case in Boston because he got to the end of the contract and he wasn't on no get right. I don't know what you're supposed to do with him. And like, if you're Dallas, I don't know how much better he's going to make you. Uh, I mean, so he will definitely help Luca because Luca has his usage rates are crazy. They needed somebody else to relieve him when he's off the floor, right? But yeah, I don't like the smaller. I mean, that backcourt. Who are they defending? Uh, the one thing that I would say though, and I looked this up the other day, and I kind of you talked about the desperation of Dallas. Totally get it because. What dogged Mark Cuban for the entirety of Dirk's career post Steve Nash? That they didn't get Dirk any help, right? And so now you got Luca in roughly the same situation. And I can see him wanting to jump the gun because do you know, do you know after Steve Nash left Dallas, do you know who the only all-star is that Dirk Nowitzki played with for the rest of his career after 2003? Um, I would guess it'd have to be... you. You don't. Well, Steve Nash left in 04. 04 um, is Tyson Chandler? No. You will never guess. It's not Michael Finley. You're not going to regret Michael Finley would be too easy. Too early. easy. All right. It's not, uh, I'm guessing it's not Jason Terry. No. Jerry, not Jerry Stackhouse. No. Oh, I know who it is. I got it. I got I, it. I got okay, it. Okay. You, you might have got I it got now. It. Who? No, no. I, I definitely have Okay. It's Josh Howard. Yep, 2007. Josh Howard. 2000. That's the only all-star that Dirk played with. Post Steve Nash, and so you've been. D- Yo, I mean that's 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 malpractice, right? <laughs> I I I have said that it is malpractice. Um, it is absolutely. I mean, there's no other way to look at yeah. it, <laughs> other than being malpractice. A lot of that time that we was looking at Dirk, like, damn, you coming up short. He was really carrying everything in a way that we didn't fully appreciate and recognize. Like, I don't think there's anybody whose prime I have reevaluated more after it happened than Dirk Nowitzki. Like, they were really... Like, he had holes in his game that he needed to fill, and then he eventually filled them. But, man, they were asking for so much out of him. And so you now, you go get Kyrie, and the defense part, obviously, because you traded your best defender in order to make this happen. Kyrie's 
himself is not going to give you very much on defense. But as much as we say Luka needs help, we have never seen how it looks when Luka has help. Right. It's very similar to the James Harden needs help thing. And then when James Harden has help, it looks a lot like it does when James Harden doesn't have help mm-hmm. because James Harden just plays that way. And so I'm very curious to see how Luka's game adapts. Well, I mean, which one of them is going to want to play off ball? You know what I mean? Like, like can you? Whoa, 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 whoa. Let, let's, be, let's be clear. Kyrie will be the one playing off the ball. It, and I assume that Kyrie will be okay with playing off the ball because he was okay playing off the ball for James Harden. In fact, he was he was looking at that like, do you remember when Jeff Jagosinski was the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? What a name. Oh, and, my God, yeah. You pulled yes, that one out. It's yeah. from Boston College, yeah. But, uh-huh. he had, but he had been the head coach at Boston College, and they fired him because they said, if you go interview for this other job, you're fired. Right. And he was like, I'm going to go interview for this job. He got fired, didn't get it. And then got this offensive coordinator job. But he had the audacity to be the offensive coordinator who delegated play calling to a coach below him. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how Kyrie was with James Harden. He was like, no, you do the hard part of the job. I don't want to do that part. That's right. Bring bring him off the floor, (laughs) beating pressure, fine. You take that. Uh, And you're right. I think that he'd probably be able to do that. But I just don't. I don't know, man. I mean. Again, you and we—you've talked about this, and we've talked about this. It doesn't look very fun to play with Luca. Like, you know what I mean? And no, I, you know, I mean, I—I I might quibble a little bit with the James Harden thing, and that's the Houstonian in me because I felt like, <laughs> uh, you know, he was able to make it work with Chris Paul, who also is a very ball dominant guy. No, no, he was able to make it work, but it looked the same. Is what I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like. I'm just saying, James Harden's game didn't change because Chris Paul was there. No, fair point. No, fair point. Fair point. Um, but then the thing is, Kyrie's not as good as James Harden was then, and he's not now. No. And I, you know, what <laughs> I, 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 the things that the Mavs need, I just, I don't think that it was Kyrie. Like, if you had Kyrie and somebody else, fine. But I just, so I, I can't imagine either one of them are going to be fun to play. Luca's not fun to play with on the floor. Kyrie's not fun to play with off the floor. Like, what situation has he had in which people have like felt better or inspired by the by the situation? I just can't. So it does. It does. It seems like a bad mix in every single way. Like I, I saw somebody say that maybe they'll make the Western Conference Finals, and that's possible in a conference where there's not because really anybody a can make the Western Conference Finals. Right. And and Luca is like I mean second, third best player in the league. I don't know. It, it depends on what you. Yeah. Think. But I don't. I don't know if they got better. Like they got a better player, and this isn't necessarily Kyrie Irving's fault. But I don't know if they got better. However, I understand why they might take the chance. Dude, they just got four months of Kyrie Irving for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't. Well. Because you hear, no, nothing. Mm. Because you hear first round pick and two second round picks, you think they got something. Those picks are so far off in the future that the discounting at present value is basically nothing. Like, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith for Kyrie Irving is basically it. Like, the picks aren't even really a thing. Those two guys for Kyrie Irving. I I know it's crazy, but the thing is, is that it's it's one thing if you have the Kyrie that averages 27-5-5, but you only get that guy about half the time, and when you do, it's a bunch of bull. So that's, I guess the thing is, I can never just look past the fact that you cannot depend on Kyrie to show up to work. And so when you say Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, I'm like, well, they, I know they're going to show up. They'll be at work tomorrow. Oh, no, 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 no. You're looking at it in a different way than I mean. I'm not saying that the Nets shouldn't have done it. I'm saying that all they could get for him mm-hmm. 
with Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney. Oh, yeah. Oh. For the reason that you point out. Right. But that's really all they could get for him. But Mike, and that actually speaks to your point about how Kyrie thought that he could play his way into credibility because he kind of did because I wouldn't have even thought you would have been able to get anything for him three months ago. Would you? I'd... No, no, no. He... Yeah, but he did. But he played himself into the team to be willing to take a flyer. Yeah, like that is that is where it goes. And hey, man, in my work, it, I mean, he's still so good. And I acknowledge this under the heading of "That's why they hate us." <laughs> the Nets were out there balling with him, oh, yeah, right? They, were really good. they got a dude named Cam Thomas that just scored forty points in three games. We ain't talking about them for nothing. There's nothing that Kyrie could do on the court to get us to talk about him, to get us to talk about them, any of it. The Nets went through all that chaos at the beginning, got up off the mat, kept fighting, right? And when Durant was there, they was on a run where they were looking like something I didn't think was possible, that somehow with that ragtag roster, they, they might actually have a chance to win the East. We ain't talk about none of that, none of that at all. Kyrie said he wanted to trade we back. We back. We back. We back. <laughs> well, I mean, my thing is, I was just thinking about this yesterday. I was like, man, they lucky they pulled this in Brooklyn and not uh, New York, not the New York Knicks. Because, man, ooh, ooh, I was like, ooh, I mean, the expect. Ooh. First of all, the expectations to accomplishment ratio for the Nets is like, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> I mean, there's never been a worse ratio, right? Uh, but if they had done that with the Knicks and raised their expe- them fans' expectations and gave them just like the feeling for a moment that they were championship contenders and they pulled this sh- boy, man, I mean, wouldn't been hey. wouldn't been no plan way to credibility, none of that stuff. You know what I mean? Well, what would have made it interesting if he'd done it with the Knicks though is that Jim Dolan is a ready-made villain. Mm. They could say that it's a dysfunctional right. you franchise. Can always position this. Look, Christos Porzingis skipped his exit meeting and they blame Dolan. Now, of course, part of that is, you know, you know, yeah. like we ain't we ain't cutting that slack to everybody. I'm not saying Kyrie could have got away with that, right? <laughs> um, Porzingis, who's just been an utter letdown, by the way. They was thirsty up here, boy. Who boy. They was super thirsty. Um, but the other thing that would have made it interesting with the Knicks is it wouldn't have been no Sean Marks trying to explain things. Well, I guess they got Leon Rose now, yeah. so that's the white man you could put out there. But the Knicks normally got black people to have to come out there and explain that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that would have involved them having much different conversations with Kyrie than the ones that Sean Marks and Joe Psy over they having with him. Yeah, fair point, fair point, fair point. Yeah, uh, and you, you, I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's it, they would have been a lot of other people to deflect and to blame. But I mean, like Sean Marks and everything. It's actually kind of amazing that Sean Marks. I still feel like he's fairly anonymous unless you follow the NBA. I mean, but the, and that's the whole yeah. that's the whole net story, right? They're just they're well, just a nothing. There's just sort of a nothingness to the franchise. The, the Nets are like the Clippers at least used to be. Yes. I don't know how it is exactly now with the Clippers, but the thing about the Clippers are the Lakers are a Los Angeles institution. The Clippers are something to do in LA. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how it goes with the Nets. Like, you want to go see an NBA game, but you don't want to pay Knicks prices. Right. But you can just be like, hey, the Warriors in town. Hey, such and such. Right. Like, if you want to go see the other team, right. go to the, go go to a Nets game. Right. You know, there are people who go to see the Nets. I don't want to pretend those people don't. There are exist. some fans. Yeah, but sure. Madison Square Garden is primarily people there to see the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Barclays is much more people there to see the other team. Right. That's fair, fair point. I've never gone to a game at Barclays. Because I wanted to see the Nets. Man, I've realized I lived in Brooklyn and have never been to a game at Barclays, man. That's, I mean, it's, it's a nice a venue too, right? 
Yeah, it's a nice venue. It's an interesting vibe because their vibe is we're not Madison Square Garden. Like, Madison Square Garden still got the organ and all of that stuff. And so they playing loud beats. Bro. You know, it's very hip-hopped out down there. And I've been to one game in Madison Square Garden. I've been to several games at Barclays Center, Madison Square Garden. Like, I get what they're trying to do. Like, there's no point in trying to compete with the garden at being the garden, mm-hmm. which is good because you're just not going to win. Right. You're just... Well, you're that's, just, that's you're what I was going to... other thing about Matt... No, I was going to say, I went to a game at the garden and... It was like the Knicks and the Wizards, and that scene was dope. Like it was amazing. Yo, it's so fun. The thing about I, was, I went for the Knicks and the Hornets. <laughs> oh man, we, we, this season, okay. Oof. Just so you have oh, a context man. of how good all the teams are. Yeah, dude, I've never been in an arena where a, a, a crowd cared that yeah. much about a regular season game. A bad, and I don't mean that game. in an unhealthy way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like they really were invested in what I was there with Roy Wood and Roy Wood was like, it's like being around 20,000 people with money on the game. <laughs> like everybody really cares. I want to get started talking about LeBron, though, yep. before uh, we get too far into this. Yep. I hate that there's any discussion. And I think I'm going to talk about this also on the TV show, but I really hate that there's any discussion around him being the greatest of all time in this moment because we don't have to do that right now. This is a singular, standalone, amazing feat that he has pulled off. Because part of Kareem having the scoring record was that he's also the first player to play 20 years in the NBA. Like, it was a bananas idea that he could still be out there at 40 years old in his 20th year in the league scoring 10 points a game, which is really all he was giving you at the end was like 10 points a game. When you put up 38,000, whatever the number is, that's where he was. LeBron is 38. Yeah, man. With all those miles and scoring 30 points a game. Right. Yeah. That's insane. It's um there's not an expectation. Is do you maybe this is yeah, let me see if I if I say this right. There's not an expectation that he's faced that he's not exceeded. Right? Like Nobody thought that he could play. Yeah. No, nobody thought that he could play at this point, this well, this late in his career. Nobody thought that he would be that we would even be having this conversation about goatness or whatever. Um, the only thing that maybe you could say that he left on the table is championships. Like maybe, but I don't think anybody when he, when I, my memory of LeBron when he came to the league is that this guy has a chance to be one of the best we've ever seen. But nobody was talking about six championships or anything like that at the time. Like that just wasn't part of the equation because we didn't have. There was never even a sense that there was going to be any competition between those two in that way. Um, but yes, yeah, so I just... Well, I think we baby-stepped it, right? Like, there was real discussion about him being possibly the best, like, talent we've ever seen or prospect that we've ever seen. I don't remember there being anybody as unequivocal as, say, Bob Knight was at the 84 Olympics and talking about Michael Jordan and saying, and that's why he's the best player I've ever seen. Yeah. But the difference was, Michael Jordan was 21. LeBron was 18. Like, we understood we could only give us so far over our skis right. with the 18-year-old at that point. But you're right. What was asked of him, in the beginning at least, that he did not match? Like, think about it this way. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played in the era where the rules absolutely favored the center. Mm -hmm. And he was, in some competition with Will Chamberlain, the best scoring center 
that there had ever been. Right. There was really nothing you could do with him. Because at least with Wilt, you could hack him and send him to the line. And that really wasn't an option when you're talking about Kareem, because he'd hit enough of those. And then he out here hitting 18-foot sky hooks. Right. <laughs> like, 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 like what, are you, what are you doing with right. this? But for, for the first 12 years of his career, or excuse me, 11 years of his career, Kareem had one championship. That's right. The buck, that, that Granted, he got it in his second year. Yeah. Right? But Kareem won one championship in that span of time. In the first 12 years, or first 11 years of LeBron James' career, he'd won two. Yeah. Right? He'd been to the finals more. Like, if I'm not mistaken, Kareem got to the Lakers in 75, and they didn't make the finals until Magic got there. They were not a very good team. Like, they were fairly, like, mediocre. They weren't bad. They weren't bad, but they were not. Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, they weren't there, right? right? They weren't quite there. Like, LeBron, I mean, and the Cavs, I mean, they, they was down bad Bro. when LeBron showed man, up. I feel, don't you feel so really bad for John him. Lucas, man? John Lucas could have been coaching LeBron, <laughs> man. They, they ran him up out of there, man. That's not fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that. But then they brought in, but then they brought in Paul, Paul Silas. That's fair. And, you know, so, you know, they, you know, sometimes, sometimes one of us got to lose one of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, and so we saw him, and I think part of what's interesting to me about LeBron is that he became the all-time leading scorer while having to learn to adopt the mentality of a scorer. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Like, all those other guys that are way up there, nobody had to tell them that. Right. Yeah, I mean, because they were all about getting... I mean, yeah, Kareem was a great scorer. Michael, Wilt, Karl Malone. I mean, you know, like... I, Mm -hmm. Carl Malone. Nobody talks about Carl Malone in none of this, right? I mean, yeah, Thank because God. of that face, right? Um, yeah, you're right. Like he had to sort of grow into that. And I mean, I guess yeah, I've heard that on all the shows. Like, is he a great scorer? People think of himself like that. But I mean, he said himself that he thinks about making the great the great pass. And if if you think about the very first time that most of us saw LeBron, which was the St. Vincent St. Mary's game versus Oak Hill on ESPN. It wasn't the scoring that people talked about. It was his court sense and the passes that he was making to his teammates that everybody was like, whoa, this guy's like feel for the game is unreal. Like, obviously, he dominated. I think he may have scored like 30 points against Oak Hill. And this is when Oak Hill was the, the, the program. But it was his passing that everybody was like, ah, this guy might be Yo, somebody special. Yeah. The thing about him with the scoring at all those points was – it was the best idea. Like, but not in yeah. the way, like, obviously, give Michael Jordan the ball, let him go score. Yeah, that's the best idea. <laughs> but there, it wasn't like it was concluded to be the best idea while weighing this whole matrix of variables and then ultimately coming to the conclusion, like, yeah, I should probably just take this. Right. No, it was, why is it the best idea? Because it is. <laughs> like, LeBron was really evaluating this case by case, and it feels like in every independent observation in the sample, if he was taking the shot, it's because it was the best idea for him to take the shot. Like, I want to look this up right now, because one thing that's very interesting to look at about LeBron in his later years, at least, I'm not sure about the earlier ones, mm. but it's how his usage rate goes up in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And it's and it gets to like that thirty eight percent range, right? The you know the I am the sun mm -hmm. sort of level of it. Right. And I don't know, and like I say, I'm gonna go look at this now. Whether it was like that early, like obviously you got like the game in 07, 
where he just, you know, it was made very clear that LeBron has to do everything in this game and this is what I'm going to do. Cool. Yeah. We had um, one of those in 09 where it was the same thing. I guess the, where he was just like, but he keeps a he keeps a like low 30s usage rate during the regular season. Right. Which makes perfect sense. Right. But yeah, it was around. Uh, I'm looking at this right now. Yeah, it was when he got back to Cleveland. Oh yeah, then playoff usage rates got a little bit chunkier. But even then, they largely stayed kind of low key. Right. Right. Like he got these points not by being the guy that's like, what I do is get buckets. Mm-hmm. Well, it was very much what we do is get buckets. Right. Well, you know, it's I heard Brian Winhurst say this on ESPN Daily, and this it was a really interesting theory in that, like, because of Brian's upbringing and instability, he didn't have a lot of family, didn't have a lot of friends. So when he played basketball, his f- teammates became his friends and his family. And he's like, one way that you could keep people happy is by passing and making everybody feel like we're invested in a part of this. And I remember his high school teams, for instance, were, like, very close all his friends from that those teams are still they're still really tight. I even follow one of them. I, can't, I wish I could remember his name. Was it Romeo Travis? If Romeo fits you, let me know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, he likes keeping people happy. And I just remember like one of the things that just showed like his self awareness. It was in that first game against the Sacramento Kings, his first NBA game. And you remember it was the open yeah, floor. Passed Ricky he Davis. passed the ball to Ricky Davis. He could have had the, the bucket himself, but he passed. He's like, this is how you ingratiate yourself with your teammates. You keep them wanting to play. And that's, I mean, we don't have to go back to the Luka thing on that, but it's like, that's the part of the thing that a lot of great players miss is that it's not fun to just watch somebody uh, fire it up 30 times a game. You know what I mean? Like they got to keep them invested in the game. And that is what Brian learned at a very early time that like in the regular season, I ain't got it. You know, you know, let Ricky Davis get his buckets, let Mo Williams get his buckets. But when it's crunch time, then okay, I do it fine. But also, he'll give them the buckets in crunch time, too. Damon Jones hit that shot in the corner against Washington, for example. That was the thing, was balancing out those plays. Like, how often should you actually do that? Sometimes it's a pretty good idea. You can't necessarily do that with anybody, (laughs) with everybody. But what you just pointed out, though, for me, is why Tuesday night felt a little weird. Yeah. Oh, man. Because what I hadn't bet on and what was very clear (laughs) when you saw the suit that man had on that night (laughs) and the headphones that he had on, he had made the decision that that record was getting broken (laughs) that night. This was not going to carry on into Thursday. That was going to happen that night. (laughs) And I give him credit for that on this level. Maybe it's just the coincidence that the jumper was falling. Or maybe it's just that even at 38, there are some nights where he can just dial it up and decide, this is what I'm going to do tonight. And this is what's going to happen. And he did that. However, at this point in his career, he can't dial that up and say, we're going to win tonight. Oh. Right. 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 Like we can't do that. And so last night, what you had was LeBron James 100% and uncharacteristically in it for LeBron James. Oh, yeah. And a bunch of other dudes who, for whatever reason, not passing judgment on this, I'm just saying it seems like a difference. 
That love that LeBron seemed to have with all his teammates at all these other stops, it ain't there in this one. What I mean, who are these guys, man? <laughs> I mean, but even Anthony Davis, like people like people are saying that Anthony Davis, it was a weird scene with him all around, not just him not getting up. Now, granted, this is the other part. They playing for something and they the 13 seed. And they just lost to a team that they are behind in the standings that people were saying coming into the year was tanking. Right. Yeah. I, when I looked up and I'm the Thunder is uh, uh, ranked ahead of the the, the the Lakers in the standings, I'm like, ain't y'all supposed to be playing for Webinyama? Like, what are y'all doing? No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. The tank is over there. Yeah. Like, this team of young guys that we still can't name and with Chet Holmgren out for the year, they beat y'all because they better than y'all. Man. Like, it wasn't even like LeBron was trying to get this and it felt like it was at the expense um, of the team. Though I heard Mike Greenberg point out this morning, he was like, Russell Westbrook still put up 19. <laughs> um, but, like, they were still, they're still playing for something. We're both, like, and he wants, he, he wants a lot of them gone, though, man. Like, we ju- we're, we're going through a cycle right. where they are, a lot of his teammates know, I can't win with y'all. Please, somebody, please, God, yeah. even send me Kyrie. Please. Yeah, I totally get it, but that ain't making it better, right? right? And so where it's weird is I don't blame or necessarily judge LeBron that this was a night that was all about him because this is so incredible mm-hmm. what he pulled off, right? But it seemed very clear that the guys on his team are not nearly as understanding of this oh, yeah. as I appear to be. In this moment. I mean, they all are supposedly playing. For, I mean, one of the funniest uh, pictures I saw from last night was uh, old boy Thomas Bryant calling for the ball in the post when LeBron mm-hmm. fired up the, the record. To, he was like, he, he, mm-hmm. LeBron's shooting over Kenrich Williams, you know, for the, for the, you know, for the, this history making bucket. And Thomas Bryant got somebody, un, you know, sealed off in the post calling <laughs> for the ball. And I'm just like, hey, man, these guys are playing for something else, too. Like, Brian is playing that, for that, Yeah, that, that's his Kobe moment. That was, that was LeBron's Kobe yeah. moment right there. <laughs> like, it's like, that was, a, that was a Kobe tribute. Yeah. Why would, I, why would I pass to you when I could, pass, when I could shoot it myself? <laughs> like, dude, I, I'm, I mean, you ain't that much closer to me. You right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But no, but, no, but you're right. And again, a lot of it is understandable. Yeah. Like, it's like, I don't, I don't know, like, and I, I told you before we started, it was like a measure of processing going on here. Because I know people think I'm a Braun hater on this, but no, 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 I get it. Like, this is something that everybody should stop and talk about. You oh. should have videos from your mama and from your wife and from your kids and everything else. But I can also imagine, dude, if I'm on that team and that man keep talking about, I do this to win championships, I'm here to compete for a championship, da, da, da. You got to compete for the championship with whatever team you got. Yep. And this is a very important game for a team that's competing for a championship and they lost and you don't seem to think and you you ain't acting like that's what happened. And the reason why it's important this game, I think this is something that gets lost. When people make the point that three games or four games or whatever separate like the number three and number 13 seeds, that's missing the point. Mm -hmm. Here is what separates the number three seed and the number 13 seed. Nine teams, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just that you have to play three games better than the number three seed. It's that you have to play, if you want to be that, right? You have to play three games better than the number three seed plus be better than nine teams along the way. That's not it. So when you play a game against one of those teams that's in that stack, 
you need that because you need to not just move up with a win. You need somebody else to move down yep. with a loss. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I mean, my thing, I mean, what, why are they not, again, I like, I understand that, okay, after you get past Anthony Davis, Brian, maybe Russell Westbrook, if you think he's an effective player, why are they, I, they have AD, now they've got AD, now they've got Brian, why are they still losing to the Thunder? Dude, I gotta be honest with you. I'm watching like a highlight reel run on his basketball reference page underneath the Zoom window mm-hmm. as we talk. And I was watching the game last night. Why aren't they winning? <laughs> Dog, they ain't got no players. I mean, their player situation. Like the whole problem with go get me some help with what? And his thing is that 2027 and 2029 pick and the truth, those picks. And the truth is, there was one guy that you could get with those, and he just went to Dallas. Yeah. Well, it like they got Rui Achimura. I mean, it's a start. That's a nice little pickup. Um, well, that was the thing that. So you talk about sort of processing it. That it, the record is a record in and of itself, and like that is a great moment. Like it actually, as I was watching it, like it washed over me, and I was like, man, I've been watching LeBron his entire life, man. Like you know his his basketball life, and then you see Kareem come out. And I'm old enough to remember when Kareem was an effective NBA player. And, yeah. and you can just see all of this, this wave of NBA history passing over me. And then you're like, man, they're down five to the Thunder at home. <laughs> it's like, this is like, and LeBron said, I couldn't imagine being in a better situation than this. I'm like, Sh- you couldn't? For real? You, you thought it would be like this? <laughs> you thought it was going to be like this? <laughs> Dude, that's like, this is. You know, I've been I've said that I think he should stop playing, but it's not because he can't play, because obviously he can still play. Mm. But I'm looking at it, I'm like, dude, what's left in this, man? Man, bro. Like, like now, now that you got this scoring record. And I mean, Kareem had that record for 39 years. 39 years. Babe Ruth had, was the home run record holder. I forget what the exact number was, but I want to say it was like four years longer than that oh, wow. or something like wow. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, we don't think of this record as being as entrenched in that way. But in this game, this is what it is. And I think I said this earlier, but the thing that makes it wild about Kareem, he was the first 20-year player. Right. Like, to, so, like, And there haven't been that many since. It didn't seem possible that something like this could ever happen, ever at all. And then the guy's also number four in assists. But he's not number four in assists in a way that's just because he done played a zillion games. Yeah. No, I mean, he because he's been one of the greatest four leaders in, in NBA history. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. Nobody nobody ever... Nobody had any reason to believe that this would ever happen. Like, I mean, again, I, I, as a kid, like, it, people didn't talk about the NBA career scoring record when we were children. But it was just acknowledged that that is an impossible record that may take forever. Because, again, you're like, Kareem was an alien. Nobody had ever played that long. And even though it's a little more common now, like, I think Dirk, did Dirk, didn't Dirk make 20 years, I think? Yeah, Dirk got around to 20, like Paul Pierce got there, Jason Terry, Robert Parrish. Um, but none of them look like this. None, nothing like that. In year 20. Well, well Bo, see, that's the thing, though. That, that's, you said, what does he have left to do? What, what else does he have to prove? Well, um, He'll never get this time back in his life again. He might as well just play it till the wheels fall off. Like he may feel an obligation. Mm-hmm. I'm still great. People still want to see me. The fans that have not seen me play before. But also, I think the most important thing. Don't you think he wants to play with Bronny? Like I think that. 
that's well that's i know left. he does that's what's left. i know he does keep i guess there is that i have no reason to believe i don't know if that's good for Bronny, but yes we do know that that's what it, does he want to play like a season with Bronny, yeah. or does he just want to play a game with Bronny to say he played a game with Bronny and then go for i mean we're making a lot of assumptions about Bronny. i mean i saw d wade son man he going to africa i'm not making any of these yeah that boy going to that africa. Boy going africa that's exactly yeah, it. you know what i'm saying yeah i ain't, I ain't make i ain't making no assumptions um about Bronny. i don't i don't think anybody He's making these assumptions about Bronny. He made the McDonald's All American game. Dad. Yeah, I mean, thirty people make the McDonald's All American game. That's one thing when you live in like North Carolina, like I did, and cover the local programs. Yeah. You can throw out all kinds of names to let you know that making the McDonald's All America game isn't as prestigious <laughs> as it sounds. Sometimes, <laughs> Eric Botag was Eric Botag McDonald's All American. I think he was Bobby Fraser McDonald's All American. Hey, uh, Carlos Hurt. I could go through Ailey the list. Felsen, for you. Remember Carlos Hurt? Don't you? Is it McDonald's all American? Carlos Hurt. Yeah, you know. Yeah, McDonald's all American. I mean, it's a lot of people on that team. That's all I'm saying. Hey, it's a lot of dudes that you've never heard of that make the McDonald's all American team. But no, nah, I mean, play with Bronny, I guess. But it's just, I say, it was a very interesting scene. Yeah. Last night. Well, and it's also interesting because LeBron is a Laker. He is not of the Lakers. Yes. By the time Kareem got that, he was of the Lakers at that point right? right like there's this uneasy fit of lebron as he relates to the history of that um of that organization and the crowd was obviously raucous but it felt like it's interesting to have something like that happen and it be an nba celebration really rather than a lakers celebration and the lakers tried to make it a yeah. lakers celebration i'm not saying they didn't but that was an NBA celebration. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's you're, you're right. He's not of the Lakers. He's on the Lakers. And also, I don't know. Look, this is just my, you know, what I would probably would have done. I would have run right over to Kareem and hugged him right after I broke the record. Because. Yeah, but it wasn't about nobody but LeBron James. Yeah, well, I mean, I was just kind of surprised that he kind of just did this and walked around, you know, threw his arms out and walked around on the court. And I was just like, because of the tension between those two because of, you know, I mean, Kareem, man, he's 75, bro. We lost Bill Russell within the last few months. Yeah. Like, we, you know, I'm looking at Kareem. I'm like, man, we, there's no time. We don't, we don't know how much longer he'll be around here. But I just thought it would have been – I wish there – Kareem did his best in that moment to make it about LeBron or whatever. And I just, but I just felt like it wasn't as warm as it could have been. Like, I was moved by them handing the ball to each other. I was moved by the things that Kareem said afterward – but I just wish that it had felt a little warmer. Um, that was the other weird piece of it. Yeah. Because I do think, and this isn't LeBron's responsibility, just to be clear. Um, but it would have been a good time to shine light on who is becoming one of the great underrated like figures and players. Like, um, There's a doc coming out on Netflix soon about Bill Russell that I just watched an advanced copy oh. of. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, but what was interesting is seeing Russell in his time and then, like I saw more footage of Bill Russell playing basketball oh, wow. than I probably had seen and like the idea of Bill Russell like being cool and Bill Russell retiring from the NBA and trying to do like comedy on late night shows oh, wow. and I stuff mean, like that like like these are things that we just don't think about because basically we think of Bill Russell as being like an ogre that stops anybody from getting up shots. When in reality, he was a high-flying, undersized center that was actually very exciting to watch play, on top of all the serious stuff or whatever. But his era of the NBA is not well-documented and not well-shared. Yep. 
the footage of the guys actually playing and just kind of the documentation of like what went on in that era. The baby boomers, they canonized their own time. They did it with baseball. Right. They didn't really do it with basketball or football. The NFL caught up later with NFL films, but the NBA just never did a great job of that. People don't really have a great concept of the idea that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar walked into the NBA in 1969 is probably the best player in the league and was the best player in the league until 1980. Yeah. I mean, look, That's insane. Kareem was the best high school, best college, and best NBA player like sequentially for a very long time. And yes. Yeah, and like that's that's amazing. Like you can we you can't really over because like the thing about Michael Jordan is that he kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like he was mm-hmm. he was great, but like Kareem, everybody expected him to be great, and he was as great as everybody said he was going to be, which is sort of you know the LeBron of the story here, right? That he was he was as great as everybody said that he was going to be, and then some. And yeah, man, I just I I just wish. I, I I know that mo- that night was about LeBron, but LeBron will have that record forever. LeBron will be keep playing, um, and it you know I don't want again. I'm a LeBron fan, you know. I be- I became a LeBron fan after the Miami mm-hmm. thing, um, but I just I just wish that Cap had gotten more of his moment. You know, I think I don't think yeah. there's been a more impressive professional athlete in my life um, in terms of on the floor, off the floor than Kareem. Like I I have a lot of respect for Kareem. I read. Giant Steps when I was a kid, his uh his first autobiography. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Uh, and I just wish he had gotten a little bit more warmth. I just wish it had just felt a little more familial yeah. last night. But, you know, that's not on yeah. LeBron. Like I say, again, yeah, these ain't criticisms of LeBron, but it's something like this would have been a great time for the NBA yep. to, like, play up Kareem yeah. um, on on the way to getting there. We're getting, uh, we getting close to the time on it, but I was thinking about that record and maybe a closing thought that's worth considering. I think this record will be unbreakable, or at the very least will stand for like 40 years. Because honestly, I just don't see how anybody's going to be able to play enough games to be able to do that. Looking at the ways that, the rate at which players play now. management. I just don't see how you're going to be able to, right, like this is is like trying to break Cy Young's win record in baseball. (laughs) Like, yo, they they used to pitch every other day. Yeah, they don't let you throw like that no more. (laughs) Right. But what's interesting about the NBA in that regard is the, the scoring record, I think, will become unbreakable. Wow. The rebounding record is unbreakable. Mm. The assist record is unbreakable. Mm. Barring some major change in the way that the game is played, the block shots record is never going to be broken. Mm. Barring some way change in the way the game is played, the steals record is never going to be broken. Because mm. the steals and assists, John Stockton didn't just play 18, 19 years. He played all those years and only got hurt literally once. Yeah, he played he all the games. 82 games <laughs> till the end. He had one season where he missed like 15 games. Right. And the rest of them, him and Carl Malone was out there. Every night. Every night. Yeah. And I'm not an exaggeration. No. Unless Carl Malone elbowed somebody in the face and was on, on punishment, <laughs> they was out there every night. A lot of 82. There's no record. Yeah. There's no record NBA record left that's going to be broken. Like maybe one day somebody breaks Steph Curry's record, but that's a niche record to me. Like that's not right. that's not the same as the ones that we're talking about over here. Nobody yeah. is going to break another major NBA record again after this. Man, you know, so I was wondering about that last night too because I was like, we always say that we'll never see anybody like this again and we'll never see anything again. And but you're right. Like when you mentioned the load management thing, I was like, man, you know what? I just it probably is not going to be possible because it would be irresponsible to play guys right. as much as you play them. And you put so much money into them, you can't afford for them to go out there and get hurt and miss seasons like that. So you're probably right. Like, I mean, LeBron may help. LeBron, he, what's either going to happen is this. 
LeBron is going to hold that record forever, or it's going to take another fifty years to break it because then the game is going to change in mm-hmm. such a way. But I, you actually don't you think the trend is that the NBA is probably going to cut regular season games at some point down the line? Never, never, really, never, never. You don't think they'll go to seventy five, something like that? You know how much money them seven games? Yeah, are? man. TV inventory. You're right. I mean, that's. I mean, that's, that's I all it is. Out loud. You're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, I wanted to bring up one other uh, thing. Um, this made me want to watch He Got Game all over again. Didn't you? Because <laughs> do you remember when He Got Game came out? And I thought the, and, and maybe I'm overstating the criticism. You're talking about that one scene? Wait, which part? The the Ferris one? Nah, I thought you were talking about the other one. Oh. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh my, bad. my bad. I mean, anytime somebody brings up He Got Game, I'm like, oh, you're talking about that one that scene? That one scene. I mean, I didn't. Yeah. Man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but no, I, the reason I thought about it, because people said that it was a little overblown, that like people, you know, oh, nobody would ever don't talk about a high school player like that. And I always just said over the years, Spike Lee predicted LeBron. Like he didn't know who LeBron was going to be, but he that movie is a prediction uh, in a way that made me think, huh, let me just go back and see if that actually was ridiculous as people thought it was at the time. Like I love the movie in the moment. But I was like, well, maybe this is a little bit, you know, he's overdoing it a tad. But actually, LeBron kind of no, 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 not at all. Yeah, nah, he was not that. I mean, the model for that obviously was Stephon Marbury, right? And so there was a hint of, oh, no, 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 this is where it is, right? Like, like there is an element though of that that is like. I think it's almost like bamboozled where it feels like science fiction where it's like, Oh, where would you come up with such an idea? And then people come back years later and they'd be like, you know, somebody wrote a book where they imagined that we would have cars that run on electricity. <laughs> right, right, right. It just, you know, I just, I always thought I was like, you know, this, this, I don't know if LeBron ever saw himself in Jesus Shuttlesworth. It'd be interesting to, I, I would actually like to ask you know, I, Spike Lee, if you listening, you know what I'm saying? I've been trying to reach you a couple of times for some other projects. Maybe you might get back to me now. Mm-hmm. I know Bamani's famous, you know what I'm saying? He's on HBO, maybe you might hear me, but um, <laughs> I would love to I would love to know uh, like what he thinks about that and if LeBron ever saw himself in Jesus Shuttlesworth. Cause I can't, I have to imagine he did, right? Like he had to think, that kind of seems a little bit like my life. I didn't grow up in Brooklyn, obviously, but you know. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Upon viewing, there's no question. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you saw that. That came out when he was 12. So I wonder, like, the time he watched it when he was 16, because when he was 12, he was just thinking about that one scene. Oh yeah. Well, you know. So like, he, he the thing is, if it ever happened to him, he could never tell because uh, Savannah been there the whole time. <laughs> so that's all. And ladies and gentlemen. That's Joel Anderson. Check him out on Slate. You know, all of yeah. that. Uh, by the way, there's a dude playing for the Thunder who has a shag, and he went to TCU. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Uh, we do this three Lisa times a week. Park Owens, Adi Khan, handling things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.